Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Welcome to church. It's great to have you here as we uh, celebrate the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. As some say, this is the birth of the church. We have a great morning this morning. We have some, uh, some of my friends and guests from Alpha Christmas College. And uh, we often have some uh, God stories. So I'd like you to remain in this atmosphere. And uh, we're going to continue some songs shortly, but uh, I've got one of our students, our friend Joe, who's going to come and share a story with us now, what God has done in his life that's going to encourage you uh, and just uh, tell of the wonder and power of God this morning. So please take your seat. And stay in this atmosphere. Joe, why don't you come and uh, share your story this morning? Thank you, Dean. Happy Pentecostal Day. Um, my name is Joe Padaki. I'm a second year on Bachelor. My specialty is chaplaincy, counselor, and uh, pastoral care. Uh, I'm going to share with you a tes testimony about 30 years one ago, uh, in 21st of February, uh, 89. I was in a small Jesuit church in uh, Transkirchen, Austria. Uh, I kneeled for the first time in my life in the front of an altar. And uh, I remember hanging uh, uh, Jesus on the woodcraft on the cross. A beautiful cross. I was just by myself in a small church, like a quarter of this church. Um, and I meditated, I wept, and I thank God for uh, keeping his promise to help me crossing two borders, not one, but two borders, two countries, coming from uh, Transylvania, uh, which is Romania, across Yugoslavia and then in Austria. I make a covenant with God. He keeps his promise and I keep my promise uh, be a follower of Jesus. Um, I was facing I was facing five years in prison because I disobeyed direct order to enroll for the second time in army, uh, which was for the service of the paranoid and maniac president who wants to build his palace. Uh, I was uh, in a desperate situation, looking for all alternative and no actual outcomes. I have to leave my six years old son and my wife to travel 800 kilometers to work for free for uh, between six and nine months. Um, <laughs> I experienced an uh, unprecedented crisis and desperation, hopelessness, uh, depression, plenty of uh, alcohol as a remedy, and a situation that which undoubtedly led me to a psychological and mental sickness. I realized that I did, I did not have any hope when the endurance reached the limit 
with no passports for ordinary people to leave the country. No patriotism anymore. And I didn't care about 2000 years of history and culture and the beautiful riches of the land. <laughs> Many will risk their life to illegally jump over the fence or alternative to pay $150,000 to the human trafficking. Like everyone, I didn't have that kind of money. And uh, without help, try to escape by, by yourself. It's a suicide mission, uh, risking to be shot by a bullet of AKM-47. Uh, one of my wife's colleagues mentioned that she has a brother who was a conductor on the train that reached the closest point on the Yugoslavia border. However, the most important thing she was saying, and this is staging in my mind forever, is, is that if I truly pray, exercise my belief, combining my, with my heart and soul and trusting God, a miracle will happen in my life. And God will transcend me from one place to another. Because she's saying, what was happening with me right now has, uh, has a reason. And this reason is my first encounter with Jesus. Well, let me tell you what was my, my, uh, what was my spiritual belief at that time. From one to 10, about three. <laughs> Coming from, uh, from a military background and my family and a society that was ignoring God and worship a communist theory of Marx and, and Lenin. Um, for me to jump overnight from non-belief to God, to God spirituality was unreal. Nevertheless, something weird was happened to me. I got this strange trusting feeling called faith. And same, same as Abraham, which I never knew about him at that time, it was a feeling that something good will happen in my life. But first, I need to trust God. The second amazing feeling that came in my soul was hope, which I never have hope. And this for kids. My assertive attitude or tool is to listen. You know, at that time, I was, I'm very proud now that I didn't have ADD because I listened. I was six years old when in my first year class, a dentist explained to us the importance of cleaning your tooth after every meal. This guy showed us his remarkable tooth and he mentioned that he was 63 years old. Ori original, and I'm 66, because I listened. I listened to what those first Christian that I encountered in my life told me. I listened to the Spirit who sent his message to those people to open my spiritual eyes. I need God, and he reached his hand to me. I study geographical map. 
under the lights of the candle because the city cut the power at 10 p.m. Thinking of every detail, hilarious, all my efforts was in vain. Nothing was happening of what I was, I was playing. He was God all over the plants. Psalm 23 saying that God prepares a place for me, a table for me even in the presence of the enemy. Oversees all the challenge that I was involved in. Drawing the spirit of God into the word of God is called Rima in Greek. It's the word of God that is spoken into your difficulty, applied to our situation and difficult seasons. We need a spirit revelation in our life and journey because God spoke and then it happened. But not before I was empty myself of the evil power of the flesh. Not before I separated myself from the world that I was living for 30 years. Crossing the border is a nightmare. I wouldn't recommend to anyone. It involves cutting the fence, go under the rocket's wire, which is just 60 centimeters from the land. If you touch it, the lights is coming and everyone see where you are. Then you have to go and cross the channel to meet the channel with mud. Mud here, just a bit of water so the dogs can hear you. And then you have to run over the no man's land, which is about four meters of, of sand. And then you know you the other side in the other country. I didn't know at the time I have to drink water from the brooks of the mountain that I crossed, faint several times because of dishydration and extreme physical demand. Even I was very fit and crossing a country that has the same, same communist political agenda. What's the point? Yeah. But I have faith. You know that movie, Behind the Enemy Line? It was me. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, real, the real freedom actually come after I crossed the second border in Austria. That experience was more dramatic. I was running for my life to cross the border with a Serbian soldier behind me. The feeling of, of freedom is unimaginable. In my case, I was free not once, but twice. First, physically, by being guided by the spirit from one, from the start to the, to the end. Second, finding the most important treasure that filled my, my hole in, in my heart, who was the spirit sent by Christ. I make a covenant with God. He keeps his promise and was honored to keep my promise as well. From 1990, when I was Baptist in a Richmond Baptist Church in Melbourne with my family, and lived there for 26 years, then come here in 2015 in South Australia. I serve God in the community in Christ with passion and faith. And all of this, all of this, because someone comes to me at the right time at the right moment with a message of miracle 
and faith that change a rich life like me. Brother and sister, we should never, ever under underestimate the message and the power of the gospel. It's always someone you can have to tell about this. I'm concluding with Hebrew 13, 10 to 17, which defines the kinds of situation everyone to come to the Lord. It says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, say the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them in their minds. Their sin and lawless act I will remember no more. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Finalizing that the great shepherd of the ship equip, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And made he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. All praise to be the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow, what a great testimony of God's deliverance. Joe uh, did a lot of that by himself, but uh, in our spiritual life, Jesus does it all for us. Well, we uh, continue to stand and worship God this morning. Well, welcome again. Uh, for those of you who are visitors, my name's Dean. Hello. It's nice to be here. And uh, this morning, thanks, Aaron. Hang on, Aaron, stop. Stop, thanks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this morning, we have some guests from Alpha Christmas College. You've already heard from our Joe. What a powerful story of what God did in his life of uh, deliverance there, and hopefully that encourage you what God can continue to do in your life. Uh, hey, uh, I've got uh, one of our other students, Travis, to come and encourage us uh, with our giving this morning. Morning, guys. As you said, my name is Travis. So if you want to give, there's a screen, as you can see, you can give there on the screens, and there'll be a giving box at the back as well. So I'm going to get straight into it. So the scripture that I'm reading from is Matthew 17, 20, and it says, Jesus said, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So that scripture is talking about having faith like a grain of mustard seed. And for me, I was thinking, how does that relate to our finances? And God told me that that scripture is telling us that we need to have faith as little as a mustard seed with our finances. We need to trust God with the little and God will move mountains because if, if, if we all know the size of a mustard seed, it's like small. It's like probably, I don't know how small, but it's really tiny. And um, God is telling us that in, that in that scripture that we need to have faith as small as a mustard seed. We need to trust him with our giving. And there's a, there's a little story about how my family actually came to Australia because originally I came from South Africa two years ago to Australia. And how the only way that we came is like we came to Australia knowing that Financially, we weren't stable enough to stay in this country. But one thing that God always told my family is that we're going to live by faith and not by sight. And God, God opened up so many doors. We just came to Australia with our bags and clothes and no financial money. And um, in like about like a month or two, we ended up having a place to stay. We ended up getting like a car for, for traveling around. I ended up getting a school. And the most important thing is that we ended up having a church as well. And for me, my entire life, one thing that my mom and dad always taught me was never, it was never money. It was always to have faith and to trust God with whatever we have. And 
without finance, we need to trust God more. We need, to, we need to rely on our faith more than our money. And we need to rely on a, an amount more than our money. And it's a little story on my dad as well. He, so at the moment, my parents are actually in Kansas, staying in Kansas because they moved because my mom got a job opportunity to go live there. And um, in Kansas, my dad never had a job at the moment. And like he was just every single day, he was just trusting God. And he was like, God, I need a job. And then there was somebody in our church, in their church that they had at the moment. He currently actually helped my dad to get a job. But the most important thing was that my dad didn't, he didn't cry, he didn't sulk, he didn't complain. The most important thing that I love the most is that he had the right heart and he trusted God with his faith. So what I'm saying today is that we need to have faith and come to God with the right posture and come to God with the right heart without giving. Because money can always be a mountain in our lives. We all know that we need money to survive, but God is just saying let's have faith and let's trust God with what he has for us. Uh, let's end off with a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for today, for everybody, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that each and every person here today, Father, that you help them with the giving, Father God, that you give them the faith, Father God, to understand that you are a provider, Father, and you are the one that provides for us in our lives, Father, and that we can trust you with whatever amount we have, whatever little we have, Father God, to move mountains, Father God. And I pray for each and every one of every single person that you bless them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Travis. Right now, though, I want to invite all the kids. All the kids out the front. Let's go. All right, come on down here. Come on down. All right, very soon, I'm going to have one of our students, Bella, to come and uh, talk to you. But before I get Bella up... Come on down, this way, over this way, over this way. You can sit there on that chair there. All right? Yeah. That's right. Ryan, you can sit on the floor. Yeah. All right. Before I get Bella to come up, we're in here this morning because my wife is not well as well this morning. So we have to keep the kids in here with us. So we're all kids this morning. So we're all going to enjoy this story now about Pentecost. Thank you, guys. Stories of the Bible. God sends the Holy Spirit. These are the apostles. Hello. They followed Jesus during his time on earth. Before Jesus went to heaven, he told them to stay in Jerusalem until God sent the gift he promised. See ya. So after Jesus went to heaven, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem along with the other people who believed in Jesus. One day they were all gathered together when there was a sound from heaven like a mighty windstorm. Wow! Then what looked like flames appeared and settled on each of them and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak in other languages and so they started speaking. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, they came running to see what it was. What's going on? When they saw the believers speaking in their own languages, they were shocked and amazed. Hey, yes. They wondered, how can this be? These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages about the wonderful things God has done. What can this mean? Nah, whatever. But others in the crowd didn't believe that it was really a miracle and thought the believers were just acting oddly. 
Then Peter stepped forward and shouted to the crowd, Hey, all you! Listen carefully, all you! He told them that they were not acting strangely, but that this was from God. He reminded them that God said this would happen long ago. Then Peter told them about how Jesus was crucified, but then raised to life again, just as God had said he would be. He told them that Jesus was now in heaven and that God had given the Holy Spirit to them as he had promised. Peter's words changed what the people thought and felt, and they asked, Brothers, what should we do? Peter told them, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow! Peter continued to preach to the crowd for a long time, and those who believed what Peter said were baptized. 3,000 people were baptized and added to the church that day. Then all the believers listened to the apostles' teaching and practiced what they taught. Hey! They met together in fellowship, shared meals, and prayed together. They were amazed as the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Here you go. Take this. Ah, thank you. They helped those in need. Here, this is for you. Thank you. Worshiped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy all while praising God and enjoying each other. And each day, God added to their fellowship those who were being saved. My name is Bella. It's nice to meet you. Are you all good? Yeah? That's awesome. So, yeah. This is Donna as well. She's come to help me. So, what I've got here, do you know what this is? What do you think it is? It's a, yeah. Did you want to open it? Would you like to? <laughs> you can open it if you like. We all like to receive gifts. Who likes to? Put your hand up. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Can I have that? Thank you. Good job. So in each in this gift, there's lots of special gifts that God gives us. So God doesn't just give us one gift, but he gives us lots of different gifts that are inside of us. So So the first one is God gives us a good heart and his heart is so pure and good for us. And it is a gift to know that God loves us and he has a purpose for each and every one. So do you, I'll pass them around and you can have a look at them if you like. And then this is a family photo. And then so this represents us all as a family, as God's children. And it's important to spend time together to be in God's presence, but also with each other, to help each other and just have fun together. Then the next one is we've got the Holy Spirit that is living inside of us. And then along with that, we have, so this is us, Kinder surprises. <laughs> so you have us and inside of us is the Holy Spirit. 
and that Jesus is the one that comforts us and gives us kindness and all good things. So I'll pass these around as well. No eating. (laughs) (laughs) And then this is prayer hands. So this is prayer is important because it's how we can communicate with God and how we can just spend time with him and hear what he has to say with us. And then lastly, the Holy Bible. This is where we can read God's word and listen to it and just learn more about him and the disciples in the Bible because a lot of them are similar to us. And now I'm thank you all for listening. You're awesome. And I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony with what the Holy Spirit has done for me. So at school and just... And in life, it's, I've always struggled with doing assignments and knowing what to say in them because the word count, you have to do like a thousand words or 500 or sometimes even in school, assignments was really difficult or work. But what I did is I prayed to God and I relied on him and he just gave me so much knowledge and he can do the same for you. So I want to encourage you with a scripture. And it says, so it's um, John 14, 26, and it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Jesus loves each and every one of you. You all matter and you have a divine purpose. So keep praying to him. Keep just spending time with him in his presence. He's got so much good for you. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Bella. That was wonderful. And right now, I'm going to invite Donna up. Mel, do you want to help me out? Thanks. As we share around communion. Thank you so much for having us here today and inviting us to come and join with you. Um, So today is Pentecost Sunday. And that's where... Tongues of fire came individually down on each of the disciples who were in the house that day in Acts 2. They began speaking in tongues through the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 11, of, um, sorry, Acts 2, verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of our God in our tongues. And today I'd like to declare to you um, a simple wonder that came to me, that God gave to me through a little girl in an amazingly simple way. So bear with me as I get to that. Now is the time here at church where we remember what Jesus has done for us. Jesus calls us to remember him. Why? Well, because we continually forget. (laughs) It's true, we do. Why why do we need to keep remembering him? Well, some might say it's because he wants us to be continually grateful and they would be right. I think he also wants us to remember because he knows how dark our hearts can get without him and he loves us so much. He wants us to live freely in him and not as slaves to our sin. I'm going to read some verses for you in 1 John 1, 5 to 10. 
This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. Without the light in our hearts, um, without Jesus in our hearts, the light, um, they can get dark. And I was reminded of this by one of my granddaughters, Paige. I was at her house and she wanted to give me something as I was leaving and she ran outside into the garden and she grabbed um, some little flowers. They were kind of from the weed garden. So sweet. She wanted me to take them home to show Poppy Dave. I was tempted to throw them out because they were just weeds, but I thought, oh, she wanted me to show Poppy Dave, so I thought I would. I took them home and put them in a glass of water. And this is what they looked like by the time Poppy Dave got home. Just going to show you what these flowers looked like. There's a photo coming up. There we go. <laughs> this is what they looked like uh, by the time Poppy Dave got home. But it was so sweet, so sweet of her. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just throw them out. I thought they'd died. Um, but the next morning, because I, I didn't throw them out that night, I'd forgotten. This is what they looked like the next morning. I'll show you another photo. Isn't that incredible? absolutely incredible. I was blown away and God really spoke to me through this in a really powerful way. They were receiving some light inside at night. You know, they were receiving some light but they were still shriveled because it wasn't the real light. It was an artificial light and we try to fill our hearts with artificial light and it doesn't do anything. We stay shriveled up like those flowers. Our hearts need the real light to see Jesus, to, to really see Jesus and feel him in our hearts before we can really, really flourish. Just like these beautiful flowers, this is what our hearts are like when we let in the true light. I'd like to read verse 7 again, just um, as we had that picture of the flower. I'd like to read verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This is how our hearts can be like this, because of Jesus. The four gospels give an account of the Last Supper where Jesus says, drink of the fruit of the vine, which represents his blood, and eat bread, which represents his body. He spilled his blood and his body was broken. Jesus already knew that we would continually forget this. And so he gave us a special way to keep us being reminded of this because of his unfathomable love for us. We're now going to take the communion together. So we're going to take the bread together after I've prayed and then we'll pray for the, for the juice after that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Seems so empty a way to express our gratitude to you for what you've allowed Jesus to do for us. We're so grateful 
you've given us this reminder of what Jesus did. You love us so much that you want us to live freely in you without the darkness that far too often wants to invade us. Thank you that when we remember Jesus, that he has taken our sin in his body on the tree, on the cross, we can rejoice freely in you that we no longer need to live in darkness in our hearts. Please help each of us to have the courage this week to confess our sin because you so freely purify and forgive us. Thank you that we can remember Jesus' broken body and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's eat the bread together. God, thank you for this covenant that you've made with us and for this practical and tangible way we are reminded of this covenant. Thank you that Jesus' blood was spilled for each of us and it's in his name that we thank you. Amen. Well, as we... Uh get into the, uh, the word very shortly. I've got uh, another student just to share another story to encourage us uh, on this day. So I've got Maddie to come up and then I'm going to invite our guest speaker up. So Maddie, come and uh, encourage this morning. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So good to be here with you today and to be able to meet you all. Um, it's a great presence of God here in this church. Um, I, lo- I loved worship, actually. It was very, it was very funky. I liked it. Um, so yeah, as Pastor Dean said, my name is Maddie. Um, I'm 22, um, and I'm currently an intern this year at Influences Church in Paradise with Travis and um, Bella. Um, and I serve mainly in the youth department. Um, so I have about 20 to 25 year 10 girls that I look after every week Um, and I also serve in the media team so I love photography and videography Um, and I'm occasionally on the kids team as well. Um, So this morning I would just uh, love to share my testimony with you. Um, Since we don't know each other very well I thought that this would give you a bit of an insight into who I am and why I choose to follow Jesus like you guys do. Um, So I grew up in the world of church. Um, My parents actually got saved at a Planet Shakers conference in Adelaide when I was very young. Uh, So we started attending church together as a family. Um, And I was baptized at 10 years old and I just lived and breathed church my whole childhood. I was always there, loved it. Um, I loved Jesus passionately. Um, I was involved in as much as I could be at church. And I just had a generally like really solid faith that carried me throughout um, all the aspects of my life. Um, It carried over into school. So I was a grade age student. I had great friendships, a great family life. So um, in my childhood, life just seemed pretty good. I felt very lucky. I was like, wow, I've struck gold. Life is going so smooth for me. Um, There's never any bumps. Um, And one thing about me is that um, I have a very Uh, overly ambitious and sometimes quite stubborn personality. Um, You know, I'm always wanting to do it all. I'm sure some of you guys might have young teenage girls that have the same um, feelings. I always wanted to be the leader of everything and just carry it all. Um, And so when I graduated year 12, this um, kind of led me to make a really big spontaneous life decision. And um, that was that I was gonna move to Queensland um, by myself 
bit of a solo independent trip and I just wanted to go and study interstate and um, travel and was just like, see your mum and dad, it's been great, time for me to live my life um, by myself and just have a bit of an independent experience. Um, and a huge part of my testimony actually comes from my time in Queensland because here I was, a girl who had grown up in such a church bubble, suddenly thrown into the big world, big wide world, um, with no idea with really what was out there. And I was suddenly faced with the reality of what many other teenagers my age were doing at that time um, that I had never experienced before. Um, there was a big party culture in Queensland. Um, and I saw people making so many worldly decisions that you know, weren't based on moral or biblical principles, but based on being led from emotions. Um, and I really struggled to handle all of this because it didn't feel like me at all. It wasn't anything I had ever known before. And to be completely honest, I started to get really sucked into it. And I think I just wanted to prove to everyone that, you know, I could handle it. Um, even it was, it was all fine, you know, everything was going well, even though I was slowly starting to drift off the path that God had laid before me. And over those two years of living in Queensland, um, God was slowly pushed to the background of my life as I tried to figure out things on my own and just prove to everyone that I could do it and I could handle it. And more and more weight just kept getting added to my shoulders and my spirit was just constantly at battle with the environment around me. I had uncertainty with my career choice. I think I changed my uni um, course two or three times, which was so unlike me because I had been so into my study all throughout school. Um, I felt a huge peer pressure from the party culture and wanting to make friends and please people. So I got quite lost in that world. I started failing at uni because I was so stressed all the time and I had no money, so I was also working all the time to be able to try and afford the lifestyle and place I was living in. And I was also in a quite unhealthy relationship with someone who was just constantly pressuring me and justifying um, a lot of bad decisions and telling me it was okay and I should be okay with it. And it just slowly, everything just started to destroy um, my joy on the inside and I felt quite empty. And this was just something that I couldn't believe was happening to me because, you know, my life was going so smooth beforehand. I thought, you know, everything was going to be great. I was going to have this turbulent free life. Um, and, you know, the first person I was in a relationship, I was going to marry. So I just had this kind of fairy tale vision of my life. And then I was like, how the heck did I end up here with everything in chaos? Um, and one day my mom actually called me on the phone. And she said, Maddie, I'm worried about you. I had a dream about you last night. And I hadn't told my parents anything. Like, um, in their eyes, I was still going great, loving life. Um, so my mom called me and she said, Maddie, I had this weird dream last night that you were at the bottom of a well. There was this long, dark well and you were stuck at the bottom. And me and dad were at the top of the well and we were yelling down to you and we were trying to reach down to you but we couldn't reach you and you were drowning and you were drowning in the well. And when I heard this, well, my first thought was, dang, mums know everything. <laughs> so if you're going through something, just telling you now, there's probably a high chance that God has told your mum about it. 
I was like, come on, God, you had to tell her. <laughs> um, but secondly, I was like, wow, I have been living in total darkness and I realized that I had left God behind and I was living life by myself and trying to carry everything by myself and I was drowning. And it all changed one night. Um, I was alone in my bedroom in my small apartment in Brisbane. Um, I was sitting on a blow-up air mattress on the floor, so it was nothing fancy. Um, but I had a supernatural encounter with God. And I was listening to worship music and just asking God to heal my broken heart um, because the relationship that I was in for two years had just ended. So I was very devastated. Um, and I just didn't know how to fix my circumstance. And I just knew that being in the presence of God was the only thing that just made me feel better. So I just put on some music. I was listening to some sermons. And that night, God just completely came into my room and completely just wrapped me in his arms of grace. And it's the only way I can describe it is that it, it had to be God. I had never felt anything like that before. And that's why I'm sharing this part of my testimony with you rather than when I first got saved when I was a child, because this was kind of the first time that I actually felt um, like the physical presence of God in my life. Um, so my heart was just instantly filled with peace and this strange calmness, and I just knew that everything was going to be okay. Um, and I felt a sense of guilt for how I hadn't been consistent in my walk with God, but it was just like Jesus was saying to me, daughter, it's okay, come home. You've been gone for a while, but it's time to come back. And it was here I found this Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And God's grace just totally covered me in that moment when I needed him. When I was broken and I was empty and I didn't have any more answers for my life or any fight left in me, his power just came and lifted me in my weakness. So my encouragement to you all today would be, it's never too late to come home to God. I don't know all of you, but I know that no matter what you might be going through, no matter what giant you might be facing in your life or circumstance you might be going up against, um, or no matter how far you've drifted off course, try to do it on your own like I did. Life is not meant to be done on our own. We have a God who wants to be in relationship with us, who wants to walk beside us and help us and uplift us, and his grace is sufficient for everyone. Nothing is ever too big or too bad to be covered by his healing grace. Jeremiah 24 verse 7 says, I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with their whole heart. Thank you. God is good. God is good. Well, kids, uh, if you grab the pack, you have a pack there you can fill in. On the last page, there is a picture sermon. So if uh, you want to fill that out and hand it at the end, we will pick someone to uh, give a prize to. But I'd like to invite now uh, a colleague and friend, uh, Dr. John Griffiths. He's also known as the, the Bearded Pentecostal. He has a YouTube channel where he's uh, exploring. John, why don't you come on up? Exploring themes of uh, Pentecost. And uh, so I've asked him to talk to us today on Pentecost Sunday. Thank you. How's everyone going? Good. Yes, I work with Dean. Uh, it's great. It's it's really good working with Dean, although sometimes he just talks too much about rugby. <laughs> We're in South Australia. Who cares about rugby? No one. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts 
for having us, for sitting and, and listening and encouraging our students. You know, often these first moments God can use, right? When, when you step out, it's, it's quite, you know, that first time when you speak at a church, it can be quite frightening, it can be quite intimidating. And so thank you for being such a kind and generous church, welcoming us, being hospital, uh, being, being very generous in inviting us and being such a great audience. So thank you very much for having us. Now, I know that the, the time is short, so I'm not going to speak too long. Um, so my name is yeah, uh, Dr. John Griffiths. I um, am married to the lovely Hannah, and I've got two little boys, James and Reuben, and you'll probably see them later on. Um, and I'm passionate about the Bible, and I'm passionate about, uh, in particular, Acts 2. It's what I did um, my PhD on, so today is sort of my day. I like, <laughs> I like Pentecost Sunday. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I teach at Alpha Crucis, and um, I remember when I was marking papers last year, there was a, a student in my class, Joe, and, and you've heard Joe's testimony, and I remember he did a, a personal devotion um, about the Old Testament, and he talked about, he went into all depth about his, his incredible testimony, and he mirrored it to Exodus, and just even hearing it again today, it reminded me of the power of being a witness. You know, someone in Joe's life had, had the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to step forth to share the gospel, and that released Joe uh, from a horrible situation, released Joe and his family from a horrible situation. So today I'm just going to quickly uh, draw out two points from Acts 2, or Acts 1 and 2, about being a witness of Christ, all right? Being a witness of Christ. You see, because I believe we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in this world, all right? We're empowered. It's not meant to be something we do in our own might. It's not meant to be something that we're pressured into. No, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. So let's open up to Acts uh, chapter 1, and we'll just read verses 4 through to 8. It says this in Acts 1, 4 through to 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times nor dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, you know, as I walked in here today, I noticed that Acts 1.8 is the Bible, one of the Bible verses for this month. Is that correct? That you're, you're, and that's such a, it's such a great passage, this great commission. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when we look at this phrase, what's interesting 
is that Galilee isn't mentioned in this list. If you think about the logical progression, the geography, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the next place they would go is Galilee. And in fact, when we look at Jesus' ministry, his most successful ministry was in Galilee. That's where he does most of his healings. That's where he casts most of the demons out. That's where he does a lot of his preaching. Galilee is the place where Jesus is most successful in his ministry. And when you read Jesus in Jerusalem, he only actually does one miracle in Jerusalem, and that's putting the ear back on um, the high priest's servant. He doesn't do any miracles in Jerusalem, but he does a whole heap of miracles in Galilee. So why is it that Galilee isn't mentioned in this Great Commission? It's puzzling, isn't it? And you see, the answer is that there's two indications in Acts 1 and 2 that give us an answer to this question. Why isn't Galilee mentioned in the Great Commission? Now, the first is in Acts Acts 1 verse 11. You know, Jesus ascends up into heaven and then two men dressed in white stood beside them and they say this, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? So the disciples are identified as Galileans. And then the second point to note is in Acts 2, Acts 2 verse 7. The crowd, it says, were utterly amazed and they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? So what Jesus' great commission to the disciples is, it's this, as Galileans go into Jerusalem and be my witnesses. As Galileans go into all Judea and be my witnesses. As Galileans then go into all Samaria. But actually I don't need to call you to Galilee because you're Galileans. And then as Galileans go to the ends of the earth. All right. So the reason why Galilee isn't mentioned there is because Jesus is calling them to cross-cultural ministry. He's calling them to actually reach out beyond their sphere, beyond their comfort zone, beyond their church walls and saying, I want you to go out and be my witnesses. Does this make sense? And we see this Great Commission actually take, um, we, we see a picture of it in Acts 2. Remember with the video that we saw, it says that were people from all over the Roman Empire from 15 different regions of the Roman Empire and they hear the praises of God through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You see, what happens in Acts 2 is that the disciples are empowered for cross-cultural ministry. They're empowered, they're pushed out and they, they, they are not just to minister to one another but they're empowered to be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem. But there's actually, have you ever thought about Jesus' command to be my witness in Jerusalem? Like of all the places, Jesus, you want me to be a witness in Jerusalem. Like Jerusalem had just killed Jesus like in very short recent history, right? 
the Jerusalemites had killed Jesus. And then Jesus goes to these disciples and says, I want you to be my witness in the very city that just killed me. <laughs> like if I was one of the disciples, I'm like, really, Jesus? That city? I'll go to any other city. You want me to go to the city that just killed you and be your witness there? Can you see how confronting this is? How, how much courage you would actually need to be a witness of Jesus in Jerusalem at that time? And so Jesus is calling them to cross-cultural ministry. He's calling them to be his witnesses in the very city that had just killed him. You know, I, I work in a really good work environment. I work with Dean and we have fun. <laughs> we have lots of fun. And I get to teach people about the Bible. It's, it's the most incredible job there is. But I know that not everyone has a, a God-filled, spirit-filled workplace. You know, I remember in, in my early 20s, I started a, a butchery apprenticeship. And um, if anyone has worked in butcher shops, you know that it's not a very Christian place. It can be quite crude. It can be quite rough. And uh, I chose to do a butchery apprenticeship. And I remember the first butcher shop I went into, uh, there was three other butchers in there, and one of them was a really old guy. He was a kind of a grumpy guy. He was an alcoholic, and he did not like Christians. And so he was a young 20-year-old, filled with the Spirit, uh, serving in his church, leading a youth group, and I go into this place and there's a grumpy old alcoholic butcher who hates Christians. And it was rough. I was an apprentice. I was at the, the very bottom. Right. As an apprentice, you do the, the jobs that no one else wants you to do. And you make a lot of mistakes. And so in that scenario, me being a witness was not telling him about the gospel. And actually, at, at the more I got to know him, I actually heard a bit of his backstory, and it was this, that his wife had run away with a Christian minister and took his kids with him. And so I'm like, okay, now I understand why you don't like Christians. And so my job in that butcher shop was to be a good example of Christ, not to preach the gospel, not to preach a sermon, not to produce a tear-jerking testimony my job was actually to draw him just that little bit closer to Christ through my work. And, you know, after a few months, I eventually left that butcher shop and moved to another one. Um, and at the end of it, he, he looked at me and he said, well, I guess all Christians aren't that bad. And, and in that moment, being a witness in, in a really rough workplace was just drawing him just that little bit closer to Christ just drawing him just that little bit closer to Christ. And so you might be here and you might say, my workplace hates Christians. It, it's a hostile environment. I really can't speak up too much about being a Christian because they really, my, my work colleagues, my boss, 
really doesn't like Christians. You know, research has shown that um, the process of becoming a Christian isn't just about a sermon, isn't just about a testimony, isn't just about a church service. There's actually multiple interactions that go on in the lead-up to someone becoming a Christian. It's it's meeting multiple people, meeting Christian after Christian, and ultimately the Holy Spirit working through each one of these interactions to lead them to Christ. And so my question for you today is, are you doing that in your workplace? Are you just drawing them just that little bit closer to Christ? doesn't mean that you have to be a, a famous evangelist. It doesn't mean that you have to know the sinner's prayer off by heart. But are you drawing people closer to Jesus? And what about your family? Are you drawing those that are away from God closer to God? In your extended family, are you drawing them closer? Are they beginning to look at your life and say, I can see Jesus there? And you see, the point is that this is not to beat us up. This is not to say, oh, woe is me. I'm not a good witness of Christ. The point is we have the Holy Spirit given to us to empower us to be a witness. And so the point isn't that we've got to grit our our teeth or grow some courage or, no, we've actually just got to say, Holy Spirit, can you empower me? Holy Spirit, can you empower me to be a witness in my workplace? Holy Spirit, can you empower me to be a witness to my family? Can you empower me, Holy Spirit, so that I can be your witness to my friends in my sports club as I'm driving along the road? Holy Spirit, I need your empowerment. I don't want to do it in my own strengths. And so today, Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit and it's given so that we can be empowered to be witnesses. And so um, in a moment, I'm going to hand back over to Dean and we are going to give, we're going to open up the altar and give you an opportunity. If you say, you know what, I want to be a witness in my workplace. I want to draw people closer to God. I want to be, I know that even the Holy Spirit today might be knocking on your heart saying, I want you to be a witness to this family member. I want you to begin to draw them closer to God. We're going to give you an opportunity, even if you've been baptized in the Spirit, to be refilled with the Spirit, re-energized, re-empowered, so that you can be a witness in your world. But just let me uh, finish by praying. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you that you are here, that you are with us. We thank you that we're not left alone, we're not left as orphans. Right? We're not left to just do our life in our own strength, but no, we have a hope in the present. We have a hope in the present, and that is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would guide us, would teach us, would comfort us, and would empower us to be your witnesses. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray, we open up, this church service to you and say, Holy Spirit, come and empower us so that we can be witnesses of Jesus Christ in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
In Acts 1, it tells us that Luke wrote that what is written here is his findings of what the Holy Spirit spoke through Jesus. He goes on a bit further and talks about this is some of the things that uh, David spoke through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. See, the same Holy Spirit that inspired David is the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus Christ, is the same Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, is the same Holy Spirit who is here with us today. We're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And as we close, just before we invite anyone, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, or if you need a fresh touch, we're going to invite you down here. But before we do that, I'm going to make a call, whether you're here or listening online, if you have not received Jesus this morning. First, ask if everyone could close their eyes, please. No one looking around at this time. If you, as you've heard some of these stories or testimonies of people where someone spoke to them and they had this revelation, had this thought inside going, I need Jesus. There's a, there's a faith stirring up with inside. Something you go, I, I need this Jesus that I've been hearing people talk about. If you haven't made that commitment this morning where you want to accept Jesus, your Lord and Savior, right here, right now, I'm going to invite you to make a decision today on Pentecost Sunday. Is anyone here? Would you just put your hand up so I can see it and we can pray with you? Is anyone here this morning would like to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior this morning? As we heard John say, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out to empower us to witness. Given to be witnesses, to be able to be Jesus to those around us. And he provided some great examples that maybe the Spirit speaking to you this morning. But right now, as the singers began to sing, I'm going to invite you to stand and sing and we'll close officially soon. But if you need a fresh touch this morning, why don't you come forward and receive a continuing, continuing feeling of the Holy Spirit? Or perhaps you haven't received that initial baptism of the Holy Spirit before. Why don't you step forward? Take that step of faith and allow us to pray with you this morning and ask God. Because when we ask God, He is a faithful God and gives, gives His children what they ask for. So why don't we stand this morning? The musicians will sing. And if you need a fresh touch or you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why don't you come through this down the front this morning, this morning and we're going to pray with you. Amen.